Math was never my favorite subject. I can trace it back to middle school when the baseball, basketball coach was assigned to teach my seventh grade math class. We would get maybe 15 minutes of actual instruction. He spent most of the class period talking about practices, games, and other sports-related things because many of his players were in the class. When I started eighth grade, he moved up to coaching eighth grade. This man was my math teacher every year until I was a senior in high school. I learned enough to get great grades in his classes by his standards, but that wasn't saying much because the teaching was so light. When I graduated high school, fifth in my class, I was blissfully unaware of how much damage had been done. When I got to college, I was behind my peers and woefully unprepared for taking college math courses. This deficiency would follow me into the business world. As you might imagine, I avoided math in college and took only basic courses. I was on a path to become a career librarian and I didn't think I needed much more in terms of math education. Then, of course, everything changed when I got my first sales job and I shifted my focus to building a professional life in marketing. This is where math would again enter my life and reiterate its importance. So much of marketing is about the creative work involved with developing communications that bring customers to a business. Because of this focus on creative, we lose sight of the fact that there are numbers attached to every marketing effort and decision. Budgets, campaigns, KPIs, ROMs, they're all about dollars and cents whether you realize it or not. There is always a goal to be achieved, a cost to make it happen, and a need to figure out what kind of profit was made as a result. This may not be the way you were taught to approach marketing, but understanding the math associated with what we do is essential to making your efforts to achieve transformational growth for your business pay off. Believe me, I know how you are feeling. I went into my education about how the math of marketing delivers huge results with a little kicking and screaming and a good dose of fear. As I started to learn how to calculate costs, growth, returns, and all the other metrics that provide real perspective about the effectiveness of marketing, the more I realized that mastering these concepts would enable me to serve better. Successful marketing is about much more than the creative output. In this episode of Here We Grow, we speak to Seth Parker, president of Cheetah Capital Management. In their conversation, Seth and Marsha focus on the operations and financial side of a marketing organization, including the importance of measuring return on marketing spend and how to make the most of your leads. Today, I'm getting to visit with my great friend, Seth Parker, the owner of Nardco Heating and Air Conditioning. Welcome, Seth. Thank you, Marsha. I appreciate you having me on today. Oh, it's my pleasure. Um, being with you, spending time with you is always a blessing to me. All the things you're doing in your business and your family, you have this new baby. So Lincoln, Lincoln Cash. Yes. And you think you told me those were your two favorite people. Yep. Abraham Lincoln <laughs> and Johnny Cash. Yeah. Nice. Nice. <laughs> and the wife agreed with it quickly. <laughs> That's good. That's good. So Seth, um, you're, you're uh, running a, a home services business in Anderson, Indiana. Tell me about the path to get from... To, from here to there for you? What did it look like for you from your your beginnings up to where you're at today? Uh, well, there's a lot of up and downs. I come from a military family. My dad did 26 years in the Marine Corps. And oh. whenever it became time for me to uh, figure out what I wanted to do with my life, he said, you're going to go to college. And 
Luckily, I had a professor at IU that uh, steered me towards uh, accounting and finance and away from the political science degree that I was pursuing at the time. And she said, if you want to pay back those student loans, you better uh, get out of political science. And so... (laughs) I uh, I went to IU. I studied accounting and finance there. And then when I graduated, I came to Indianapolis and I started working uh, for small businesses around the town, uh, mo- mainly in logistics and trucking. Um, and there I cut my teeth on acquisitions, learning how to run a business, learning accounting and learning our favorite thing, marketing and how to grow business. Right. That's great. What made you decide? Because typically, from what I read in the research, if you're in that finance accounting role, Sometimes the risk, the ability to take on risk can be too much to own a business or, or go buy a business or become an entrepreneur. What, what motivated you to go down a path to own a business? I think it was my, uh, my bias towards action. A lot of times, and this was my youth, I, was, I wasn't the most patient person and I wanted to grow this business and invest in it. And it wasn't my business to do those things. And so I was getting impatient. So I started turning on, hey, let me learn how to run a business. Let me learn what the inputs are in order to get the outputs that we want. And, uh, and that's what led me down there because I just probably wasn't the best employee that, uh, that wasn't just sitting there, just passing time in order to get it lo- get along. I was mm-hmm. trying to move the business forward. That's nice. You know, um, when you start to look at buying a business for someone like me, we're going to go and look at like three or four things and try to make a decision, but you, you need to probably do more than that. But tell me about your journey of, of searching for a business to buy, because I think it's fascinating. Yeah. So in 2019 or about that time, I, uh, my dad, whenever he retired from the Marine Corps, he got into HVAC at Williams Comfort Air, which is a big player in our market. And my goal was to always work with him and, uh, and partner with him. And since I had the business background, I started looking for, and acquisition background, I started looking for different acquisition opportunities. And funny enough, I looked at 63 acquisition opportunities. And like you said, I couldn't get (laughs) 63. I looked at 63 (laughs) all over the Midwest and the South. And uh, I could never really get that comfortable with them because they either had bad reputation problems, employee turnover problems, or they weren't profitable. And I was no turnaround expert at 29 years old. So I had to find a good business my first time. And so I was turning the wheels for two years and one, and I hadn't really talked to many people outside of my dad and a few others about what I wanted to do on my plans. I kept it close to the chest because I was working for people and, and didn't want everybody to know. And so after looking at 63 of them, one Sunday, I'm an usher at my church and the head usher said, Seth, do you want to be a bean counter for the rest of your life? And I laughed. I said, no, John, I don't. I said, I've been looking for two years to buy my own heating and cooling business to work with my dad. He said, oh, okay. Well, that was on a Sunday. On a Tuesday, he calls me and he says, hey, Seth, you're never going to believe it. He says, I was out cleaning this man's windows today and he owns a business called Narco Heating and Air. And growing up in Anderson, John had known the name because it had been around since 1961. And he said, Seth, he said, it's a really good business. The family's really good. It has a great reputation and good customers. No employee turnover, really. And I was like, wow, no way. That doesn't make sense. (laughs) After the 63 I looked at, I was like, there's no way I'd mention this on a Sunday. And on a Tuesday, this guy calls with this type of lead. And he gives me the man's number and he says, hey, call this man. He's waiting for you to call him. His name was Jim is Jim Milliken. And uh, and I called him that night and I said, hey, Jim, I'd love to talk to you about this business that you have. And 
He said, yeah. He said, um, would you like to meet on Monday to get the financials and the tax documents and stuff? And after going through 63 of them, I'm like, wait a second, this guy didn't send me an NDA or nothing. He's just ready to get on with the process. And I told him, I said, Jim, I wish I could. I said, but I have a, um, a men's group that I teach on Monday nights. I said, so I won't be able to make meeting you Monday to get those. And he said, that's just fine. And so we ended up meeting on Tuesday and was able to get the documents. Uh, I probably did not do as much due diligence as I probably should have because I built a very good relationship, trustworthy relationship with him. And he still comes around once a week to the business, visits me, and it's an awesome relationship that we have. Wow. So on Sunday, somebody asks you, are you, are you still, are you only, are you going to be a bean counter through your whole career? And you say no and explain to them you're looking for a business. Tuesday, they introduce you to somebody. And the following Tuesday, you're at the table with them. Yep. I'm at the table with them getting the financials <laughs> and the tax documents. It's like, it's kind of funny how. Uh, in this world, I sometimes try to do things all on my own power, and then I get some other believer involved with me through the church, and mm -hmm. bam, there your dreams are. Come right <laughs> to you, to your footsteps. It's like, probably should have tried this before I beat my head against the wall for two years. Yeah, <laughs> yeah you know, um, I've d I do a lot of um, things with the Youth with a Mission mm -hmm. program, yeah. and those missionaries teach us uh, teach a class on listening to God. <laughs> I'm like, listening? <laughs> like, I might have been doing all the talking in this whole deal. <laughs> yeah, that whole bias of action that I talk about a lot of times gets me in trouble more right. than it can help sometimes when it comes right. to those things. I think God, especially buying a business and then getting married and having our first kid all within 18 months of each other, wow. I think I'm God's biggest humor right now. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, let's see what the Seth sitcom is doing tonight. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> what that's other great. decisions can he make to stress him out? Yeah, that's great. So um, it was about a, two years ago. Is that right? Or a year and a half ago? About two years ago. Two years ago. Yeah. Um, you did an online search for marketing agencies and yeah. called called us at Valve and Meter. And we started talking about marketing and what it looks like and, and digital marketing specifically. The company is kind of small, yep. so there's not a ton of resources, right? Um, and we I, we just kept sharing and and educating one another on what your business needs are and what what we do on our side, and that's caused you. Um, la last year, you made a decision at the end of the year to come on Valve Meter as a as a client. Um, what's that been like for you? That process. You're about six seven months in, I think. Yeah. So tell me about making that decision, what it's been like for you so far um, around your marketing results? Well, I think it's interesting because I, coming from an accounting background and buying an HVAC business, I didn't know really much about HVAC at all. I didn't have a network in the industry at all. And I got introduced to Marsha and she has really helped me a lot, network with different people, teaching me how to market in this industry, teaching me what to look for on different uh, in different aspects in the HVAC industry. And so that's really led me to building a relationship with her where she would introduce me to these people. And she, I always had her trust and she would keep coming back to me and sharing me, with me client success stories that, oh, they're at 10 to 1 on marketing spend, 15 to 1 on marketing spend. And these were companies that I would go back, look at, and you could see the fact that they are doing a lot better than they just were. And so 
It's been a, it was like an 18 month process from the first time I started talking right. to Marsha about narco and marketing and everything. And over that time, I got more and more comfortable with it because like I would told Marsha whenever I signed up for Valve and Meter is, Marsha, I'm not sure I know much about this marketing thing, but I trust you and what you've shown me. <laughs> and so we decided to go with there. And it's been amazing for us uh, because beforehand, whenever I was doing quote unquote marketing, I was pretty much just doing everything that came into my inbox, some billboards, some local TV, uh, some local newspapers, the high schools, anything that came up. I was like, well, at least we get our name out there. There was no tracking of return on marketing spend or anything like that. And to see what Marsha was doing, I was like, that could really help me in order to understand where to spend my money to get the best return to grow narco. Because like she said, Whenever I bought it, I was a $1.9 million business or so, $1.92 million business a year, and I, and there wasn't many resources. So we had to be very smart with where we spent that money if we were wanting to grow. Right. And, you know, sometimes people will hear 18 months later, you come on as a client, but it's important what you were doing in between when we met and when you came on as a client. So, mm-hmm. you know, we talk about Jim Collins's flywheel effect in business where you have um, marketing at the top of the flywheel, developing leads for sales. Sales is is getting orders for the operations team to go repair or replace or fix whatever whatever the um, operating um, platform of the company is. You get paid. The finance team pays your bills, pays your people, and spends off profit. And then you reinvest in marketing. So in, when, you, when you didn't have a lot of leads and you weren't growing terribly fast, you were working on that business to get it operationally excellent, to yes. make that fly real really sing. So one of the first things I think you did, if I recall, was put in a new CRM. Yes, we started using Service Titan because mm-hmm. before uh, the business was ran the same way from the day it opened in 1961, and it was a whole bunch of paper being pushed around. And in order to grow, there's no way that that process would have scaled. So the first thing I identified, I call it low-hanging fruit, was changing that CRM over to Service Titan in order to get digital processes and then pushing for marketing and reviews. It is a great product. I've seen that be a real game changer for a lot of HVAC. Especially since most people in our industry, they don't really measure much. And so that right there really pushes you to get reports, get gross margins, to get your turnover rates and, and closing rates and stuff like that. And that's the stuff, that's the data that you can make decisions with and know how to coach people. I think, um, my friend, Steve Becker, I introduced you to Steve at one time. Yes. Yeah. Steve has a theory that Service Titan is is part of the surge behind the valuation of HVAC companies. Yes. Been in, in, in the HVAC business his entire career. and um, Probably the best operator in our industry. I would say that. He's right in there. Absolutely. And a great, great man. Yes. Char- high, very high character and values. Um, but he thinks that before Service Titan and some other, some other um, software uh, uh, CRMs, Field Edge, you know, those types of things. Before the companies had that, there you really couldn't substantiate the value of the company. You couldn't really measure the value of the service agreements, the value of the repeat customers, the value of the close rate <clears throat> is this high or the revenue per deal is that high. Um, and, and that became this great equalizer across many, many companies. Yeah, because before Service Titan or any of those digital platforms, nobody was really keeping longstanding history of any customer relationships or anything like that. 
So I believe that there was no housing of that. So whenever you went to go sell the business, that person that's buying it is asking, what am I really buying? And there was nothing there for them except for some sheets of paper that they were to operate off. Right. Someone was telling me about all of their customer agreements were on a wall and paper. And so when they scheduled the service agreement, they went over and pulled the ticket off the wall and went out. (laughs) And the great thing about Service Titan, too, that we found is you we would have had to have hired a lot more people internally to track the things that we needed to track, like turnover, close rate, uh, job per ticket and all Mm -hmm. of that. That's a full time job every single day if you don't have a software calculating that for us. So whenever it's already hard to hire people. Um, you're kind of trying to look for ways to cut back on that. Mm-hmm. And Service Titan has been a great help because right. if you look around, we per- should probably have six or seven people in our office and we only have three of them. Well, one of the big differences I saw was um, pricing, being able to update yep. pricing of equipment and parts inside of Service Titan. Yeah, uh, in real time. And so yeah. if you see you're getting daily gross margin reports like we do, and you're seeing, oh, man, I'm down at, we shoot for 40, 50% gross margin, and you're seeing it's down at 45. I can literally go in there and up the prices within minutes at right. f- to five more, six more percent in order right. to hit our goals. And that was all done manually. I mean, when we started Valve Meter in 2017, I would encounter businesses that had not done a pricing update for a year or two. Yeah. And we're losing money, right? And I think the reason is, is the owners are so caught up in running that Mm day-to-day business to sit down for, it would take you a month if you had all of that and had to do it in paper in order to update it. And so they just passed it on. And I think in COVID, that's where a lot of small businesses got hurt is because we got price increases every single month and they weren't able to keep up with them. Exactly. That would have pulled a lot of people under. Yes, yeah. So also in this flywheel, it's always interesting to me in our in our relationship, we sit on opposite sides of this flywheel of where our strengths are at. I'm strong on marketing, really great, really great at sales, uh, but my strength is in marketing. You're strength finance and you're a great operator, right? And so we're in these opposite camps. So typically from my seat, it's really hard to understand the operations part and especially the finance part. From your seat, it can be you know, marketing is a mystery, you know? Um, so we, so we have to, we have to figure out how do we collaboratively work through that. Communicate it to each other. Right, right. So one of the things early on that um, you were really interested in is being able to identify for every dollar that you're investing in marketing, how many dollars of revenue are you getting back for that? Yes. Yeah. And, and, and I think the, like uh, the old saying goes, opposites attract me and Marsha are like perfect partners in crime whenever it comes to that. <laughs> and and one of the big things, because my accounting background was to know, all right, if I'm going to spend this much money on marketing, I have to know where we're making our money at or where we're losing money at and where we're not hitting goals. And the whole reason I believe that is not all the time is it the marketing people's fault that you're not getting leads, that you're not having the average ticket. Sometimes you have to look within your company, within yourself, and find out where are we going wrong with the leads we do have. Right. And we call it lead-by-lead coaching at Nardco, and it's where we look at all of our leads each day and see where we could have made more out of each one of those leads. And I think that's where you really get uh, like an operational excellence program going on with the people because they know that, yeah, it would be nice to have a thousand more leads a month or whatnot. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, if you're not doing the most to capture the most from those leads, then you don't need those leads and you're just paying money for right. no reason. Yeah, absolutely.
Um, so you, you buy the business, you fix the CRM. The other challenge you had was there was one key person in yes. the business. Tell me about that. Yes. So our general manager, he does awesome for us. He's been with us for almost 40 years. His name's Rick Betts. And, uh, and he had always been there. So me coming from outside the industry, not having any industry experience, it was, again, the perfect situation to be buying a business. But it also wasn't the perfect situation because when you have a man that ha runs the service department, runs the install department, does all of the sales, has all of the knowledge in his head of customers, that's a key man problem that you have. And so what I had to do – and the last owner, he didn't really care because he could go on vacation for 10 months out of the year and not really worry about the business because he had a man there running the business. Right. And so <laughs> if I was 74 years old running a business, it would be perfect situation. Right. And so as I took over, I think the biggest thing for me was to mitigate that risk with mm -hmm. him. There was no employment issues or anything like that. It was just a huge risk. And like I explained to Rick – is you could be pulling away and get hit by a truck and be in the hospital for a while. Narco would be in a hard position. Right. And, and that talk is hard whenever you're talking to somebody in their upper 50s that's been there for 40 years because they're going to start getting defensive. Like, why are you taking all of this that I worked mm -hmm. hard for? And so it was painting a picture of him to where I'm empowering you to lead more people. I'm not taking your work away right. from you. I'm just shifting your focus. Good. That, that's great. And those key people are in, important. One key person is a problem, right? Exactly. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And like a small business, like we have 20 people. I, I agree with Marsha. Every one of them is key. And that's why I key in on the small things with them, like attendance and those things, because that's what really moves the needle in our business. If one person misses and we can't fulfill all of those leads that we've just gotten and people cancel calls or we have to move them around, we really miss out on a lot of opportunity. So I think it always goes back to, yes, marketing and leads are great. You have to have them, but you need to focus on your operations to make sure they're there to service those leads and to service those customers. And that time you spent in those 18 months before you became a client and working on that operational excellence, your close rate went up, your revenue per ticket went up. Oh, yeah. The call answering was better. All of those things help us achieve a better return on marketing spend. Yeah. When I first started, we would have a call retention rate of about 70 to 74 oh, percent. And now we're... Twitching. My eye is twitching there, Seth. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it, it was scary. And, and now it's near 90 to 94 percent. And it's like... It's so amazing because it's really driven our business to grow a ton just by adding those calls that were already coming in that were being missed or overlooked or right. anything like that. So it's and then the average ticket when I took over was about one hundred and five dollars and now it's pushing three hundred dollars. Right. And so and that's those are the things that move the needle in the business where we were able to do that with the original employees that were there. We haven't had mm -hmm. turnover in the business since we've taken it over. It was just changing the way that they looked at things and changing the SOPs and processes uh, to get better outcomes. That's great leadership. Yeah. Um, you know, people don't just comply with that. You have to have, you have to love and serve people along the way to, so that they'll give you permission to lead them. Once you got that, then the sky's the limit for that team, right? It, exactly. And I think Marsha hits the nail on the head is you have to serve your team as a CEO. I, I, I call yourself the chief servant officer because you're just there to help them to move the ball down the field a little bit more and to be there for them. And so as soon as they know 
that, hey, this person has my back. Whenever you ask them to, hey, we need to sell more service agreements or we need to do better on the forms, they buy into those things mm -hmm. very quickly once they know that you're going to have their back. And one of the big things we do that's different than our competition is we guarantee 40 hours a week throughout the year. And so that was one of the big things where even if they were slow, they had that comfortableness of, hey, I know that I'm always going to get paid. So if you take care of their home life, they're going to take care of you at work. Yeah, absolutely. So not to make you feel the pain every time, but went in and switched mm -hmm. out the CRM, solved the one key man thing. And now you look at the marketing horizon and there's not much going on. No. You, you've got a billboard and you're in the yellow pages. So <laughs> <laughs> so what did you do there? I mean, I, mean, I know you're, you've gone with us, but talk to me about from when you went in to where you're at today, what, what has happened for you and what is marketing? What should it be? What is return on marketing spend mean to you? Well, for me, whenever, before we had signed up, it was a huge problem of, I want to grow this business, but we're not getting the marketing. We're not getting the leads. So how do we do that? And I had been talking to Marsha and over and over again. And I said, okay, Marsha, we have got to drive these reviews. We have to be able to get the calls in and we have to be able to do something with those. And at that time where our return on marketing spend was probably about $1.50 to a $1, dollar. Uh, and it wasn't doing too well. And so whenever I came over to sign up with Marsha, she said, okay, how's your operations? I explained to her how all of our operations were, and Marsha lit up like, hey, those are the things that are successful in our industry. And I'm like, well, I'm not being successful right now. Right, right. <laughs> and uh, and she's like, yeah, because you don't have the SEO, you don't have the hyper-local content, all of these things that matter in our industry today. And it's funny because she told me like, oh, it's going to be six months before you see a return on this. And in the Midwest this year, it's been a funny year with marketing and HVAC. And she told me, oh, it'd be about six months before I got five to one on marketing spend. Well, I think that it took us about 60, maybe 65 days to mm -hmm. get there. Right. And so it, it, I try to be conservative. There. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And so it was awesome to see that. And it's like, man, if I can just keep investing in this area, then I can see the growth happening for the business already. One of my favorite things is Marsha and her team at Valve and Meter, they'll meet with you once a month to go over those marketing numbers. And so they say, hey, you're doing very good in SEO or you're doing very good in PPC. Let's invest more money into there. And so it's able, it's, it's makes you be able to be better prepared to use the data to execute on, right. on the operation side. Absolutely. Um, that's a very good point. And the other thing we evaluated was how much risk is there? If it didn't work at all, how much would the loss be? So we even looked at like worst, worst, worst case yeah. scenario. Um, if it took longer than we thought, how much would you have out there before it felt like you were putting the check in and getting results back? Exactly. I had an account I was talking to a few days ago, and they said it was a pretty big business in home services, a $200 million business. Oh, and wow. They said, how much is this going to cost? And, you know, and I'm at the beginning of I've not even done strategy work. I, there's no way I could have given a price. <laughs> and I said, well, essentially, it's kind of free because it works. You know? Exactly. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's not going to cost you anything. You know, cost is relative to results. So. Yeah. 
And I and I we've seen that in our own business. And one of the nicest thing is whenever you used to be ranked thirtieth on HVAC repair around where you are, and now you see that you're number one. And not only that, not only do you see it, but you feel it in your business. You're getting way more calls. The guys are busy. And that just makes everybody feel good around the shop whenever right. you see those things returned. And it sounds like you're kind of filling up to capacity, right? Yeah. You're not, you're not adding a lot more jobs. So it, it, that should help the margins. It should help people's pay be better. You know, all of the things that abundance can bring through marketing. Exactly. You know? Like it was a great business whenever I bought it, but there were a lot of what I call soft spots throughout the year and things. And the marketing, it's like the guys will say that have been there forever. They're like, Seth, we've never been this busy. It's the middle of September and we got installs every single day, service calls every single day. And they were usually standing around the shop during that shoulder yeah. season. And so if you want to grow your business, you're going to have to invest in it, but you're going to have to track where it's coming from right. too. Right. And for us, one of the biggest thing is we're, we have those soft spots. People's schedules are getting built up. And we had this situation where if you want to invest on in all this marketing, you want to grow as, as big as we want to grow, you have to do something about people and the people in the business and hiring and, and making sure that the right people are in the right seats. And one of the big things we did was implement Traction EOS, which has oh, really good. helped the business. I did not realize you had done that. That's, yeah, yeah. that's a great idea. That's gonna You're going to lead very well with EOS. Yeah. It, it makes your job a lot easier as an owner whenever you have a book to operate by and just say, this is the way it needs to be done. These are the measurements we need to do in order to make sure everybody's on the same page. Right. And I think as you start shifting those people, they get comfortable because now they're in a role that actually matches who they are as people. Yeah, right. And they're like, oh, this isn't so bad after a week or so. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> you know, I get to walk with you through life and business, but we're also in truth of work together. And yeah. so we have some shared um, things that we do. And uh, I've, I've really loved being alongside of you while you've become a father. Tell me about what that transition for you, that's transformational, right? Oh, yes. It's been a huge transformation for me because um, I used to be very selfish with my time and wanting to spend time only with the things that benefited me and Seth. And luckily with a kid, it's just changed that entire outlook. And one of the best things that I've done, because I always think my dad told me growing up that, son, your only goal in life is to do better than what me and my mom were able to do for you. And I've taken that uh, responsibility seriously, and that's what I want to do for my son. And I'm like, man, our, our family hasn't done good of keeping family history or anything like that. And so one of the biggest things that I want to do is pass on the knowledge and the actually shortcomings and the low parts of my life where I messed up and things to my son. And so recently I started a uh, Gmail account for him and I email him every morning and talk to him about how I'm feeling that day or think something on my mind about him, mom, or any of those type of things I just share with him. And I want to keep that going until I feel like he's at the age that he can appreciate those things, read them and understand them. And so probably about 16 or 18 years old, I plan on giving him the password in order for him to go back and read all that history. Nice. He's a year old, about a year old? About a year yeah. old, yep. Yeah, and he's already exciting. talking and laughing and everything. Yeah. It's just so much fun to go home to every day. Yeah. <laughs> and they change so quickly. They're very interesting. Oh, and but, just to watch them learn. Uh, one of my favorite things at my day-to-day -day job is to invest in people and watch that light bulb go off in their head and to see them transfer transform. Well, 
I get to see that every day, almost every hour with my kid as I take him on a walk and he sees mm -hmm. something new or something and he just gets so excited. And it's just like you could have a terrible day. And whenever you see that, it just changes everything for you. Yeah. And and I think a lot of that is how God looks at us whenever we do what he wants us to do. And a lot of times we can be selfish people that get off of his path. But whenever we get back on, he's like, yes, this is what I wanted. <laughs> That's a very good point. And you talked about in the beginning of our conversation today, wanting to get into an HVAC ownership position and work with your dad again. Yeah. Have, yep. have you done that? Yeah. Dad has joined mm -hmm. us. Uh, he actually works in the office next to me. And wow. it's a great privilege to be there with him. And just like I said, we haven't been the best of passing along history in our family. And mm -hmm. dad being in the military, he wasn't around much whenever we were growing up. So now to spend those quality years as adults with each other, I just texted him the other day and said, Dad, we should really appreciate what we have because not a lot of people have the relationship we do at our right. age, you know? Right. Yeah, and it, it was really even my dad's uh, goal to own an HVAC business at some time, but mm -hmm. him being in an infantry and a sniper in the military and then working in the business, he really needed somebody to come alongside of him that understood that accounting, that mm -hmm. understood that business side. Right. And it's really been a great help for us. And so he leads a lot of our young guys and training them and mm -hmm. teaching them the uh, the industry because I talk to a lot of owners in HVAC world and you ask them like, what's your biggest problem? And I promise you almost every one of them will say people. I can't get people. And then you ask them and you say, what are you doing to get people? And they uh, posting on Indeed, posting on LinkedIn, all of the everything that everybody else is doing. And it's like, well, yeah, you're not going to get people, people if you're just going to do the same thing. And so what we've tried to do at Narco is build relationships with every quarter we go into the local middle schools, every month we go into the local high schools. And then Ivy Tech Community College has their training facilities for HVAC in the back of our shop. And so we have multiple generations that we're touching on these things with, and that's really helped our business and to get our name out there and invest back into the people because maybe we don't hire them right out of school or right out of Ivy Tech, but they will appreciate the fact that we invested into them and invested in their career and their success. And a lot of those folks become customers. Yes, they do. <laughs> or, or they just spread our name because right. a lot of times we'll go out to a new customer's house and they'll be like, oh, yeah, we heard about you through one of the kids that go to Ivy Tech or the right. high school or something, which is really nice. It's awesome. I think being in a small community, uh, it's your role to invest back into that community, being a business owner. And so that's one of the biggest things I've tried to do is provide a better situation in the community that we're in. Right. Building a, a platform that you can organically recruit from that way. Exactly. Is another important factor on return on marketing spend, because if you can't handle all the leads that are coming in, then that's going to push down the return on marketing spend and and create a gap for you there. Exactly. And that and I think one of the, our biggest issues in HVAC is we have peak and trough times where it's really busy and then it's really slow. And so that's where the buy-in of your employees really happens because you know that whenever it's real busy, we've got to get the most. We have to eat well. And whenever it's slow, we have to be able to train those guys and invest back into them. Mm -hmm. And it's just a balancing act of making sure that you're always ready for those times to come because you have to be ready to go whenever all those leads start coming in. If you drop the ball on there, 
then you're going to probably, it, it adds up very quickly. One bad week turns into a bad month. One bad month can turn into a bad quarter, bad quarter into a bad year. Right. And that can spiral further into the abyss. Yeah. And, and especially whenever you don't know where your, where your money is being spent, almost everything else in business you can track. I can track like, hey, I, I bought this HVAC system. I put it into this house. There's the money. There's how much I made off. Marketing was that one piece that you have to find somebody that does stuff like Valve and Meter and Marsha does as far as tracking that data, meeting with you regularly to make sure that you're on pace. And it's not even that monthly meeting. I get weekly emails from her team sometimes that drops in that says, hey, I see that this is going a little bit off. Um, is there a reason why or something like that? We are delayed in our billings on installs. And at the beginning, they're like, oh, my goodness, Seth, your ROMs are terrible. And then it was alarming in here. We were we were frightened. <laughs> and then I said, oh, no, don't worry. We have like fifty thousand dollars in install billings that we haven't done yet. Right. And then it shot it up to about five to one. And I was like, oh, and then everybody was very comfortable yeah. again. <laughs> yeah, But they're watching things like close rate and average ticket and booking rates and call answer rates because sometimes they're just having that extra set of hands on it exactly can bring things into the light quicker. Right? And the biggest thing that I've learned as a uh, business leader owner is you can't say that it's everybody's responsibility to do something. Right. You have to make one person in charge of that. Mm -hmm. And so like we have three people that are answers the phone, but there's one person I go to to ask about questions on mm -hmm. why phones aren't getting answered, what's mm -hmm. happening to the abandoned calls and all of that type of stuff, because she knows that it's what she owns every single day to right. do. And yeah, it's awesome. and it's funny because she came in as a part time employee to help us file away all that paperwork whenever we first took over the business. And within three days of her being there, she said, oh, I can help you answer phones. And she's hired on as full time. And now she's became our dispatch lead. Right. So. <laughs> it's, awesome. it's just, again, watching yeah. those people transform from what you thought they were into who they actually are. Right. Now, I know you've not had the business for a super long time. Um, but one of the things that has always excited me, and it's why, why we wrote Here, Here We Grow, um, is transformation. Mm -hmm. The story of the human being who goes from here to there, that is a redemptive story that is um, abundant. You know, when you look at your business experience here, tell me about someone that you're seeing that has gone through transformational change. Uh, there's one person that uh, really sticks out to me personally in our team. His name is Grant Fisher. Uh, he is just turned 19 years old. Whenever we hired him, I had to do a double take to his birth certificate because I'm like, there's no way he's old enough to work here. <laughs> I almost had to give him bad news his first day of like, hey, you got to be 18. <laughs> but uh, Grant came to us. He had a full ride to go to Purdue University. He's a full ride. He had Purdue a full University. ride. So he, just going to work the summer? Yeah. Uh, yeah. He, well, <laughs> and what I thought was interesting was the first phone call he had with me was, hey, I had a full ride to, to Purdue University, but I want to tell my parents that I have a career for me before I tell them that I didn't go to college. Oh, yeah. And so, uh, so it was a great situation for us uh, to have somebody that was that driven about, our, about the HVAC industry calling us because you don't get a ton of those. 
but also to just see him come in. Um, it's a person that comes from a very successful family. They don't work in the trades or anything like that. And so it was interesting on how he found us in the first place and found the and found a desire to work in HVAC, which I later found out was from a friend of his dad who worked in HVAC. And he kind of watched from the background and said, well, that guy has a good life. I can do HVAC work. And he wanted to work with his hands more and didn't just want to go to college without not knowing what he wanted to do in life. And so he comes in and uh, within the first week, uh, 18 years old, and he's already setting his own AC in his own furnace. And oh, wow. it's a person that had never really used hand tools before in his life, but he had watched a lot of YouTube videos and, and really grasped onto those. And he had, and what I tell everybody that's coming in that we're looking to hire is it all is about the desire to learn. And they always ask like, how quickly can I get to service tech or to sales? And I said, I don't know how quickly is your desire to learn. And I think that's the biggest thing. And Grant has shown over and over again that his desire to learn is what really has been the difference maker of him being able to, I think here in the next six months, he's going to lead his own crew at 19 years old. Holy smokes. Wow. Now- Let's just think about that for a minute. So he's got a full ride to Purdue. You said his parents were career people. Yep. Dad is? Uh, Dad is a CFO and mom is a doctor. Those are big jobs, right? Yes. Big education behind that. And Grant decides he wants to go down this um, skills-based work path. That's a beautiful story, but he's also coming into, you know, you and your dad working together. So he's coming into a family type of environment going out of a great family, you know, and as he goes on to his adult life, that's a set of conditions. It's really unusual. Yeah. exactly. And especially since we have three sets of father sons in our business. And so he gets to see all of that and all of us working together and he's just, He's just blown away. And one thing that I that I love is his parents have been a longtime customer of Narco. And now uh-huh. they tell him that, hey, Grant, we don't have to pay Narco anymore. We've got you, right? Yeah. <laughs> so I'd like to tell Grant's parents, look, you know, Grant's gonna do great great in this. This is a great career. Yeah. Yep. And it can it can spiral into his own business ownership in the future. And that's his biggest goal. You're the type of person who abundantly pours into people to help them prepare for that. Yeah. Um, it's going to be okay, mom and dad, right? Exactly. <laughs> yeah. It might turn out a little bit better than you thought the first day right. he called you. Right. And, and but the, what a remarkable job his parents did in, in helping him become a critical thinker, right? And, and think be, for himself. Yes, and be bold to say, this is the path that I prefer to choose at this point. And, and one thing I will have to say uh, that really stick, stuck out to me about the situation was he called me in order to get a career lined up before he told his parents that he wasn't going to go to school because... He knew it would be way worse if he told his parents that he just wasn't going to go to school and was going to go to someplace to work in a factory or something yeah, like that. Right, so, right. And then another thing he shared with me is the fact that one day his goal was to own an HVAC business. And I think that that's where that desire and that drive of learning comes from for him is he is trying to absorb everything that he possibly can. And I'm kind of an open book with running a business because I think if you don't want to share things with employees or how hard it is to run a business or how to run a business, you kind of have a limited mindset. And so if you're going to go out in the world and grow something and do all of this, you're not going to be able to do that with a limited mindset. You have to have an open mind helping others and things like that, and it will come back to you. And I think that that's one of the biggest reasons why I like to share everything with the people. If somebody was to open up a shop down the street from us that used to work with us, 
so be it. There's enough business to go around for all of us. Right. That's great. What a great story. I want to keep track of Grant as we go down these few next years and, and make sure that I'm getting updated on that. Oh, yeah. That's just fantastic. Seth, I really appreciate you being on the podcast with us today. I'm so blessed to have you in my life. Well, shoot. <laughs> <laughs> me well, too, Marsha. You've been amazing to me. Thank you. I really mean it. You don't find friendships like this that you have in business too often, and you really don't want you to become an adult and stuff. And so just the the relationship that we've built in two years, it means a lot to me. Yeah, it being, does to me too. Being 32 years old and uh, being lost a lot of times and having somebody in your corner means a lot. Yeah, and you do the same for me, you know. Yeah. So it's all good. So one of the things, Seth, that um, compelled you in our conversations early on was our philosophy here at Valvometer about return on marketing spend. Um, unlimited budget for marketing that works. That's not an open checkbook. That means we're going to do tests and we're going to measure what's working and what's not. And then when it's working, we're going to do more of that. Yes. Um, because that's powerful in a business. If we know where to invest to grow and what to cut to, to be able to be profitable, it's very, very powerful. Um, what was what what was what was it so attractive to you about that? I mean, I know it makes solid sense, but you're coming from a financial background that probably had some appeal. Yes, I think that had a big appeal, but also uh, being a new owner, a person that just took out a massive line of debt in oh. order to buy a business, mm -hmm. um, you have to know where you're spending that money at, and you have to know the return on it. And right. so beforehand, like. I shared, I kind of just took a shotgun and shot it to a wall and it was billboards. It was all of these different things. And there was no measurement on where that money was coming back to right. us from. And so I think the biggest thing for me was if I'm going to make the investment of marketing and, and spending tens of thousands of dollars a month, I needed to know which operation was working the best for us. And that's where I really liked and got comfortable with spending with Valve and Meter was the fact that I knew that they had our best interest out for us and they were going to look out for us whenever we were spending that money to say, hey, Seth, you're not doing that great over here. Maybe we should look at the operations if you can, or maybe we should take the money to go spend somewhere else. A perfect example is just last week, uh, our account manager, Ashton, she reached out to me and said, hey, Seth, you're not performing as well on GLS as I'm seeing people across the country doing. And I was like, oh, shoot. So we what what did we do? We go back to that lead by lead coaching, look at all of them, see where we were messing up. And really, it comes back to we need to tell customers that they don't need to keep calling back on that GLS number that comes in because they keep doing that oh, in order to find updates yeah, and right. payments on, on invoices oh, and that stuff. Makes sense. So that's where that data really catch, helps yeah. you be able to do that. Because if not, I what's the definition of sanity doing the same thing over and over again. And that's all you're going to do with mm -hmm. marketing, keep spending money there, keep not getting a return and you're going to get frustrated with your marketing group or something like that. And it's just because you're not diving in, really looking at what's right. going on. And that's how you have to make decisions with your business. Right. It's very empowering. Yes. You know, I can't tell you how many times in my career I would see a low close rate for a certain group of campaigns that just needed a scripting adjustment in it mm -hmm. to get the close rate to go up. And now you've got a working program. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and I think the hardest thing is, is being a business owner is having that time to dive mm -hmm. into those things. And so it's nice having a scheduled meeting and having people that are looking out for you on that math to make sure that you are hitting the goals. Right. And the one reason why you 
now in Service Titan, you can track a lot of that stuff yourself. Mm-hmm. But where do you know that the industry benchmarks are for that time? So right. whenever we meet with Valve and Meter, they are always telling me, hey, you're doing this compared to the industry around you and mm-hmm. things like that. And that really helps give you a sense of comfort and a sense of this is where I need to invest back into. And like you said, it goes back to empowering the employees to make those decisions. Right. Thank you for joining us for Here We Grow. This show is proudly brought to you by Valve and Meter Performance Marketing. Be sure to check out the show notes for exclusive content that will help you become a transformational leader. For more, visit mathbeforemarketing.com slash podcast.